and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we're talking Joker. Joker. I keep wanting to say The Joker. Right, it's just Joker. It's just Joker. It's just Joker. Apparently, like, it's not The 78, it's 78. Right. Or for all of our California listeners, it's The 10, not 10. So it's like the opposite. Right. So uh, down in the South, we get made fun of. Uh, just by giving people directions, they go, you're not from around these parts, are you? And the answer is correct. That is correct. Well, um, good evening, everyone. And that scratching that you may or may not hear is signs that we have not one, but two dogs of the podcast. Madison comes down here. I think we've talked about the rug that Jessica's parents gave us for the studio. And it's a rug that hasn't historically gotten much use, so it's still in its like shedding phase. But she Madison, loves it. And Madison will come down here and just like paw at the rug for about ten solid minutes. And we just moved her old bed down here. We told you the saga of the Madison bed, and then we moved the old one down here. And she just now discovered that it's here. So she's laying in it. Mm-hmm. We're discovering if it's a good or bad thing or not, as per Madison. She loves her new bed. Yeah, it she- was a dramatic. It was also a saga. It's also way too small for her. She loves it, though. I know. We'll keep it for a while. Her little pig body, like, just, she loves it. When she snuggles up in it, it's pretty cute. It is. So, anyway, that is uh, at least the dog of the podcast. Um, If you follow us on Twitter, we'll share um, dogs for uh, and cats for up for adoption. So, uh, follow us on Twitter at date underscore movies. We understand that that handle sucks. I'm still waiting on the Russian bot to get rid of DNATM. Although I haven't checked in a while. Let's take it. I want... It's like national treasure. Yeah. Let's take it. Yeah. Only I'm not Nicolas Cage and you're not the Constitution. Oh my goodness. Speaking of Nick Cage. So I went to a fall festival this weekend. Mm -hmm. Jordan was um, out of town playing a gig. And I went to a fall festival with my friends Sam and Philip. Sam, you all would know from the episode of A Star is Born, also known as the giant cluster of an episode that I did. (laughs) (laughs) So we went to a fall festival and there was this woman, she was a painter, she had a booth and she had a painting of Nicolas Cage. I'm picturing like a velvet Elvis. I almost bought it for you. It would have been pretty rad. <laughs> I almost bought it for you, but I, I didn't. And it was like, it wasn't that big. It was like how? Like, like, like an 8 by 11? And that was a little bit bigger than that, maybe. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I almost got you a picture of Nick Cage. Happy Mandy. <laughs> well, that would have been pre-Mandy, too. So we would have had an all-new appreciation for it. He was in a tan suit. Oh, yeah. It was Nick Cage, kind of like that. Uh, she's giving a very classy pose right now. I've got an Olin Mills fist mm-hmm. under my chin. Yeah, I think he, he was smoking. That sounds about right. Anyway, I should have gotten it for you, and I probably would have saved it till Christmas because it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I could have kept it from you. Well, that's okay. It gave us a very nice story to tell uh, a week later. Uh, just a few days. Just a few days. So we've got the dogs of the podcast. We went and saw Joker. Some other things that we've seen lately. Um, we watched Happy Death Day the other, the ha- other night. Happy Death Day to you. No, no, no. Happy Death Day to you is the sequel. Heavens. So Happy Death Day. Yeah. We saw it on uh, HBO. Yeah. 
Um, I liked it. I liked it. I the motive was stupid. The motive was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, Can we give spoilers for it? Let's not spoil it. Okay. Let's the, not spoil it. The but mo- the, I say this as a dude. Motive was written by a dude. Oh, motive was written by a dude. Yeah. Um, what was the the review that you read about it saying? That somebody had said, and I think this was for the second one, okay. where it was on Twitter. Somebody just posted, "Y'all keep saying you want a scream a scream reboot, but y'all already got one, and you didn't go see it. You don't deserve it." And they were talking about Happy Death Day, which it. it was definitely some pretty heavy scream uh, influence on there. Heavy scream influence, but um, actually, <clears throat> I mean, it's not a scary movie. No, I I I get scared in movies, so that I didn't think it was a scary movie, but it was definitely like it was had great twists and turns. Uh-huh. The motive, the worst. Yeah, it, honestly, if they would have changed like one or two lines in the entire movie, it would have been like that was a rad movie. Yeah, but it was a rad movie until yeah, wah, wah. yeah, sad trombone. Yeah, it was a totally um. But what I will say that I liked about it, because at first I was like, oh, there are no stakes in this movie because she every time she dies, she keeps coming back. Right. Uh, and again, that's in the trailer. But they found a very clever way to keep the stakes in there, I thought. I agree. Yeah. Overall, I liked it. I actually really want to watch the sequel. Well, we can do that. We can do that. So, uh, recommend? Yeah, I would recommend. How many, uh, how many cupcakes would you give it? cupcakes um i'd give it like three and a quarter i'll do three and a half yeah yeah it was it was fine it was good i would watch it again i don't know if i would watch it again knowing the motive no fair enough like i mean you may be right i kind of have the feeling whenever i watched it the way that i have whenever i watch the scream movies now because the scream uh, movies don't really scare me anymore but i like watching them but see i still like the scream movies because the motive is pretty interesting. No, I mean, I've, I still like the, the one in Hollywood is not good. Though. Scream, no, that's Scream 3. Everybody realizes that it's kind of a garbage Objectively movie. Objectively bad. Yeah. Um, we, um, I also went to a premiere for a movie that I did, mm-hmm. um, and, or I was in, I, um, it's called Along Came the Devil 2. Mm-hmm. So obviously a sequel. Along to, Came the Devil to You. No. That's the sequel sequel. <laughs> so Along Came the Devil um, is the first one, obviously. And then Along the Came the Devil 2 is by um, the Devan Clan Productions. Um, and Heather and Jason Devan. I'm sure I'm saying their last name wrong. Apologies in advance. Uh, but congratulations on a really great premiere. Um, it was here in Atlanta, which was really, really fun. I had the privilege to double... Uh, Laura Slade Wiggins um, for some driving stuff. When did you do that movie? This year. I don't even remember you doing it. Um, It was one of my overnights. I was in another blonde wig Mm -hmm. um, and I did a driving stunt. Gotcha. Was I in LA or something? Maybe. I don't remember. Either way. Either way. It was earlier this spring. The fact that we were in the middle of shooting in the spring... In the spring, mm-hmm. and they have a we had a premiere this weekend. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it. I mean, it does go to show that you can still do a pretty wide release movie in a short amount of time if you just hire people who know what they're doing and know how to function without sleep. That too. 
that too. Um, but it was really fun. Um, our our good friend Nikki Tomlinson was in it. Um, she played a cop. Uh, she was also in the first one. She was a stunt double in the first one. Mm-hmm. So that was neat. Uh, Troy Farouk. Um, so those are two local stunt actors who got really great roles. Um, my, I was a double in it. Uh, Jojo Lambert also doubled Laura uh, for another gag. And then our, my really dear friend, Philip Dito, uh, doubled the lead guy. So And it stars Bruce Davison. Well, there we go. You And you've worked with Bruce quite a bit. I have. Um, Bruce, I've gotten gotten to work with Bruce through uh, the casting director I work for, Carmen Aiello. And Carmen calls Bruce in for all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So I saw Bruce and I was just, I was like, Carmen, Bruce is in this movie and we didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was real, that was really fun. Um, it has one jump scare in there mm-hmm. that, I mean, almost came out of my seat. Yeah. It was terrifying. One really good jump scare. Um, it's another horror flick. Um, just keep an eye out for it. I think I, what was that, that movie? It was all the kids going to all the different, um, haunted houses. Oh, the houses October built. It kind of had like, it's not that vibe at all. It's an actual, it's a narrative, Mm -hmm. not some sort of mockumentary. Yeah. But this narrative, it kind of had that same feel of like class of horror film. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So, um, but I would say, uh, go if you if you see Along Came the Devil two, go see it. Yeah. Huzzah! Uh, have we watched anything else in the last week? We sure did. <laughs> oh. So, in case there was a rough edit there, we had a Madison freakout, and I don't know how much I'm going to try and clean it up, so it may have turned out fine, it may not have, but I'm recording this now. (laughs) Uh, What else have we been watching lately? Uh, You saw for the first time yesterday. Oh, Despicable Me. Yeah. That was actually pretty good. (laughs) Wasn't it good? I liked it. It was really good. Yeah. It's interesting to see how far, like, that style of animation has come. Uh, yeah. since then, because there were definitely a few places where it's like, oh, this is a 10 year old movie. Uh, but I really liked it. It's really fun. Yeah. It's really sweet. It's really sweet. It's an easy watch. It definitely doesn't feel like it's too long. No. Um, no, I like, yeah, I don't have much else to say. Uh, how many freeze rays would you give that one? With my freeze ray, <laughs> I will stop the pain. Um, I'm going to give it four. I'll give it four. I'll give it a solid four. That was great. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've seen it uh, multiple times. Yeah. I have never seen it before. I'm so glad we just went for it. Yeah. I, I mean, I always kind of avoided it because I can only take so much of the minions. But see, like I told you, like they're great when they are in regards to grew yeah when they're in the story it's great uh i have still have no interest in seeing the minions movie no well that and it just makes a debauchery of history it looked like yeah and how i mean maybe they address it but how do they address the minions not working with hitler yeah i don't know i don't have a good answer for that yeah um yeah i can't think of anything else i've watched recently i've been out of the state and in cars going. I had to drive to Nashville, to drive to Kentucky, to drive to Nashville, to drive back to Atlanta uh, in the middle of getting ready for this uh, gig at Henson. So I've been, I've not really been watching many movies lately. I haven't either. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we watched that and I went to the premiere. Um, I've also had the good graces to be working. So, yeah. Um, and we're also kind of, this almost feels like uncharted territory for us because we are literally recording an episode the week after we recorded the last episode. We haven't done that in months. I'm so proud of us. I know. We still never put out a social media post for Odd Astra. Whoops. We'll, we'll go def- listen to Odd Astra. Yeah, go listen to Odd Astra. No, I have a great, I had a great idea for it too. Oh shoot. Well, we can still do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, also by the time uh, this podcast comes out, um, another movie will have come out that I'm very excited to promote. Mm-hmm. Go see Zombieland 2. Yeah. Dumble Tap. Jess is actually in the trailer. Uh, I had to screenshot it for her parents whenever we went back. And uh, it was funny because when you see it in the theaters, we saw that preview before we saw it. Uh, mm-hmm. And on the big screen, you can totally make out the details of your face. Um, I took a screenshot of it from IMDb on my phone, and uh, I, sh- I you know, cropped it and everything, and I zoomed in to show your parents. And your mom's reaction was just, huh, I'd know that hair anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so go see Zombieland 2, double tap. Um, I had the great privilege to be in multiple scenes and multiple sequences, um, but the only time you'll actually probably recognize me, and I don't... so let you know I I'm have not seen it so I don't know if my gags got cut or not mm-hmm. but if they're in there I look like me so if you follow us on social media you know what I look like go see Zombieland yeah it'll be super fun um um to do a kind of a last bit of housekeeping on this day in film history do it to it so a couple of good ones I got two for you in 1930, George Gershwin and Ira Gershwin, Gershwin's musical Girl Crazy, starring Ginger Rogers and Ethel Merman, premieres in New York City. Well, there we go. So that's really fun. And then this is another really good one. 2017. Oh. Producer Harvey Weinstein is expelled by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences after historical revelations of sexual harassment and rape. Well, that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. <laughs> and now let's talk about Joker. I mean, that's actually a pretty good segue. Right? I didn't even, I didn't even plan it. So, uh, this one, we basically had... Thankfully, we saw it at the theater right near our house because we almost broke our rule talking about it in the car. Yeah. Uh, and which is great because as the movie was ending, I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to talk about in this movie, in this episode. Like, there's a lot to talk about, but, like, you know, we try and keep it entertaining. Um, This movie was hard. Yeah. So, how are we going to rate it? In cigarettes. That's that's a good one. Um, I'm going to go first. Go for it. I'm going to give this one three cigarettes. Ooh, okay. Um, I felt exactly the way that I expected to feel leaving this movie, which is, I saw it, I'm glad I did, I don't think I ever want to see it again. Okay. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Todd Phillips is was surprisingly good at handling the drama stuff. Like you know, this felt this felt like the movie I think you wanted it to feel like. But that's also a big criticism I have at this movie. Okay. Um, and I forgot to start it off with uh, with my tagline that I wanted to start off. Oh. I had fun doing that for Hot Austria. Go for it. Uh, 
Well, now I can't remember what it was. I'm put on the spot. Okay, keep talking. And if you remember Um, it, just blurt it out. Yeah, it was uh, Joker, a movie that proves you actually don't have to be funny if you have Martin Scorsese movies to rip off. Burn. Yeah. I think it was smoother in my head, but, you know, it's me. It's only going to be so smooth. (laughs) Um, No, so big criticism I had with this movie is that it unapologetically apes some pretty classic Martin Scorsese movies. And a Chris Nolan moment. Oh, yeah. Blaringly. Yeah. But, you know, it knows that it's doing it, which is why I'm not as hard on it as we might have been for Odd Astra. That's fair. But it was still distracting. And honestly, this makes for a very interesting companion piece to Odd Astra because we kept talking about how the best parts of Odd Astra were taken from the movies it was clearly influenced by. I wouldn't go so far to be like, oh, the best parts of this movie are taken are taken from other movies, but like it is literally Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. Um with a little bit, probably a few other ones in there. Uh, there were some moments that reminded me of Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, you know, it definitely had its Scorsese influences. And if it were just influenced by it, it would have been fine. But it again, it kind of felt like a cover band version of those movies to me. Yeah. Um, I did really like the score. Um, I Yes, the score was great. Yeah. I did not like the music supervision. No. Um, it had its moments, but uh, there are more screaming children out there, by the way, and Madison is not happy with it. So any more rough edits, you've been warned. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I didn't love the music supervision. There was one song in particular that I wish they wouldn't have used. Um, for Do you want to say now? Yeah, that's, it's fine, because, I mean, it's a scene that you see in the trailer. Oh, okay. When Joker, when Joker is walking down the stairs, like dancing down the stairs, uh-huh. uh, they're playing Rock and Roll Part 2 by Gary Glitter. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and you know why it makes it particularly not great that he's getting royalties, right? Because Gary Glitter is a convicted pedophile. Gary Glitter is currently serving time in prison for child porn and underage sex. So just to break the mold for just two seconds, Mm -hmm. I think the more and more that we are in this new era of hopefully with eyes open to people, Mm -hmm. I'm having a harder and harder time separating the people themselves from their art. I am too. There are times where I can get by it. But there are also times where it's not worth it to me. Like, for example, I would love to go back and revisit The Usual Suspects. Because that was... The movie's almost perfect. It was historically one of my favorite movies. But I never really care if I see another Woody Allen movie again. Yeah. Match Point was great. Annie Hall's a fine movie. Annie Hall's fine. But, like, I don't really care. So knowing, especially, it's like, why are we giving royalties to a known pedophile? Well, especially because there are so many other pump-up songs that you could have used. Yeah. So that that bothers me, and I'm sure when Todd Phillips inevitably listens to this episode, he's going to have more bro stuff to say. Hi, Todd. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the movie itself was fine. I honestly, and you and I said this in the car, it wasn't nearly as irresponsible as it could have been. Yeah. Um, so, like, from a moral standpoint, I didn't have any issues with it. Excuse me. It didn't feel like it was going to incite violence in anybody. Um, it didn't feel like... I thought this was going to be a movie about, like, an incel fantasy. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Um, and that's a fun Reddit community. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, 
but it didn't come off that way. So I applaud the movie for that. I applaud the movie for handling its themes better than I expected to, but that still didn't make for a totally enjoyable film watching experience. Yep. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Um, I would give it two cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of came away feeling uh, how I thought I might, mm-hmm. except slightly better. Yeah, because you, we have had some like intense conversations about going to see Joker. I'm also mad at Todd Phillips right now. I, I know, I know. He's not that funny. And he, he, I will preface this by saying that Todd Phillips has made some legitimately great comedies. Yes. Uh, the First Hangover, an old school. Sure. Um, um, 30-year-old me mm-hmm. does not think old school is as funny as 16-year-old me. That's true. That's fair. Um, but, I, you know, it wasn't made for 30-year-old me. No. Uh, except that Todd Phillips <laughs> was like my age when he made it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, no judgment. Just leaving it be. Um, but um, this was Mental Health the Musical. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked at Jordan about halfway through. It was closer to three quarters. About three quarters of the way through. Yeah. And I said, I just don't know how much more I can take. Um, I found this movie graphic. Mm -hmm. I found it violent. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's not an iota of hope. No. Um, and not that movie, not that a movie needs hope. And I think that's, you know, I think if I, if I'm assuming the thesis of this movie is what it feels like to live in utter despair mm-hmm. and how the Joker was born in this despair of mental illness that is art, that is part of his being mm-hmm. and how he is. And in order to feel seen and celebrated, this was the way to do it. Um, in a community of people who feel such horrid despair. Mm-hmm. But as entertainment, <laughs> to willingly go into a movie, um, it was hard. And I also thought, like, this was a pretty... You said something, Jordan, of, like, um, I wonder... This would not have made a penny if it hadn't been a Joker movie. Yeah, if this had been pretty much the same story, but they took out all the Batman-Joker references from it, I don't see this movie making money. No, but this movie would have been an art house movie. Right. And, but then I also... Because it really do- it dove into some of its artiness. Absolutely. But I also wonder, though, let's say, let's say that this movie took away all the Batman references and everything. And probably would have been happy about it. Right. Do you think that we would have been as forgiving about it aping Taxi Driver the way that it did? No. No, and, and that... I just thought there, there's a lens... There's this lens, which has already been done, um, but there's this lens of who this character is, and it didn't feel new and fresh, and the its newness was, what if this is how the Joker started? And that's that's where the newness was, but nothing was surprising, mm-hmm. um, but it, I found this movie horrifically graphic, mm-hmm. and it made it so difficult to watch and to stomach, and then... Um, we'll get into spoiler territory, but I, I didn't understand why his life and his mother's life needed to parallel. Like, why couldn't it have been a slight askewment yeah. of the story? I don't understand why they made certain character choices. 
Yes. I, I think you might know what I'm talking about. Maybe. Um, and we'll get to that in the second half of the show. Uh, the show. The show. Mental Health the Musical. Because that's what it felt like. I, I think I appreciate this movie more than I liked it. I think that's what pushes it in the three-star territory for me. Okay. Because I think that, like you're talking about, the thesis that it wants to make, I think it did that well. It, I just don't think it's a, it's a successful piece of entertainment. And like, when was the last time you've seen Taxi Driver? Oh, gosh. Do you, but do you like Taxi Driver? It's fine. It's a lot. Yeah, it, it is a lot. Uh, have you ever seen The King of Comedy? No. All right, King of Comedy is actually good. Like, it is a black comedy. Okay. And there's an interesting parallel, but not parallel, that and we'll talk about in Scorsese's, spoilers. yes? Yeah. So what it is... It's kind of an over, like in the mainstream, it's an overlooked movie in Scorsese's repertoire. Okay. Uh, but now it's considered one of his best. Uh, it's Robert De Niro playing a total loser who dreams of being a stand up comedian and is not very good. And he's stalking Jerry Lewis's character, who's basically like who Robert De Niro was playing in this movie. Okay. Uh, and then he, one of his friends, is also obsessed with this guy. And so they team up together and kidnap him, uh, and he essentially holds him ransom to get a spot, like, opening and hosting his show, essentially. Oh, wow. Okay. In the movie, spoiler alert for a 35-year-old movie. Uh, Which, I mean, anything in this realm, in the th- this age bracket yeah. of Scorsese movies... Is worth watching. Yeah, um, but, you know, totally. And, I will say that. Yeah, and this movie is also worth watching, even with me doing the spoiler. But I'm giving this spoiler for a very specific reason. Okay. Because the King of Comedy ends with uh, him doing, with Robert De Niro doing a stand-up, and he gets a pretty good uh, response out of it. And then he ends by by telling them, and I've kidnapped, I can't remember Jerry Lewis's name, uh, I kidnapped him. You, and then they start laughing. He's like, no, I did. And then the audience keeps laughing. He's like, listen, tomorrow you're going to find out that this is all true. But I figure better to be a king for a night than a schmuck for your entire life. And then he walks off stage and turns himself into the police. So you can see why I bring up that particular plot I do. point. Um, it, it makes me appreciate this movie even less. Yeah. I mean, I was wondering if it might. Because... It is a pretty clear parallel. Um, it is the exact same movie. It's and, not, and this is not a spoiler because that's not the movie. Well, I think we should talk more about that mm-hmm. in the next segment. Right, but, but but that kind of is where I was going with. I don't think people would have seen it if it wasn't a Joker movie because otherwise it would have been a Martin Scorsese remix album. Yep, and like a lot of it's a lot of its artsiness. You know, and, oh, well, it's just very Scorsese thing. There was a lot of backlighting and a lot of primary colors. Mm-hmm. And of course, like the primary color, like in the Joker's costume, that's straight from the, I think it's like the 70s era comic because uh, he had the purple suit and the yellow vest. That's true. And, but I'm but I'm also saying, though, is Scorsese. Mm-hmm. What is, what does she say in the holiday? Not uh, like a Scorsese red. I need a happy red. Right, yeah, yeah. Right? There was a lot of Scorsese red going on. There, There is. And the violence is also handled in a very Scorsese way. What I will say, so I saw a movie recently where the, the, the cinematography really didn't have a very clear story. Like, there was so much steady cam. Like, all the time, it was... It was flipping the 180 left and right, and it was just like, stop. <laughs> there was no clear cut story with the camera. Mm-hmm. The 
the camera work in this movie is so good. It really is. The cinematography is so good. On a technical level, this movie is amazing. Yes. Uh, it was edited very well. It was shot well. Even the parts where like it was blown out, uh, it was blown. It was blown it was out great. for a purpose. The cinematographer was Lawrence Scher. Mm-hmm. Which I'm the name sounds familiar. I can't think of anything he's done off the top of my head. Um, I'll look it up, but um, it was it was beautiful. Yeah. And that's the thing with this. And again, you and I are kind of in a in an I'm really over Todd Phillips mode right now. Over it. Um, but I do think that he seeing this movie, this almost feels like a demo movie for him. It's like, okay, now go and make an original movie. Yeah. And I would be willing to give him another chance too. Um, so one thing about it, uh, so he did, um, the cinematographer, mm -hmm. he did the hangover and he did Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Garden State. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple things. Yeah. I mean, and like Garden State is kind of known for having really good, like indie DIY, uh, cinematography too. Um, but, uh. Yeah, the, the Todd Phillips show kind of started early with this movie because there's one interview in particular I remember him saying, which was because uh, Joaquin Phoenix, he'd turned down multiple superheroes roles because he didn't want to be tied into a contract like that. So he was originally offered Doctor Strange, which of course went to Benedict Cumberbatch. I'm really glad it did. Yeah, and he was also offered the Hulk before it went to Mark Ruffalo. Interesting. Yeah, which again, I'm I'm I like Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk, so I'm fine with that. Uh, but Todd Phillips, he said this thing. It reminded me of the interviews that uh, Dewey Cox gave in Walt Card, uh, <laughs> where he was just like, "We're not here introducing Joaquin Phoenix into into DC Comics world. We're introducing the uh, we're introducing the uh, DC Comics into the Joaquin Phoenix world." Sure. And that's a really pretentious thing to say when you're just remaking Taxi Driver. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, this is a movie I think... You know how I said last week Odd Ostra is probably going to fluctuate wildly for me? Yeah. And it kind of does because I, especially some time on, and you know, our show is very subjective too because we are oh. literally coming straight out of the theater. Yes. Um, you know... I think right now I'm currently in an Odd Astra wasn't so great moment, but I can also see that changing. This movie I think is going to go down a little for me in the future. And I actually hate saying that because I think it was crafted so well. And I think that yes. Joaquin Phoenix is great in it. But just as a movie in itself, again, it's like, you mentioned this whenever we were talking Quentin Tarantino. It's not like a Tarantino movie is so blatantly ripping off its influences that you're like, well, I might as well just go watch this other thing. Like, he he turns it into his own thing. Yes, and he goes off the deep end. Yeah, this movie didn't turn into its own thing, and I wish it would have. It To me, it feels like eating cake batter as opposed to a cake. Yeah, right, and that's not the same as cookie dough. Right. Just not. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like eating cake batter as much as the next guy, but I'd rather eat the cake. Ooh, who eats cake batter? Well, you lick it off the spoon. That's not the same as just eating it. Uh, do you ingest it? Y Listen, I give you the whisk. <laughs> you give it to the dogs. 
<laughs> However, one other thing that I really, really liked in this movie was the strings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the score was great. But the specifically the mm-hmm. strings. So the composer of this movie was Hildur Guanadotter, who uh, we've talked about it a few times before, uh, I think mostly just leading up to seeing Joker. But um, she worked a lot with Johan Johansson. She was his uh, featured soloist for cello because she's a classically trained cellist. Uh, it was actually her playing on Prisoners that made me interested in learning cello. Um, so I, I've had I've had a soft spot for her for a long time without even knowing her name. Uh, most recently, she just won an Emmy for Chernobyl, which her music for Chernobyl was great too because it was really dark and dissonant and not even as much music. Kind of like this, it was very musical, but it's it was not extremely musical. Yeah, but it's not like it was like oh, I'm gonna sit down and listen to this piece of music. Like it was, it was using music to create to create a specific mood that's not just oh, and I'm gonna sit down here and here's the string part. I'm gonna write this viola solo right here. I'm gonna yeah. put these horns in. Um, Any of the emotion that I felt in this, watching this movie, Mm -hmm. was specifically when the music, her music, was playing. Yeah, her music was amazing. A lot of it was just uh, solo cello, a lot of it was played really scratchy, a lot of it was Uh, processed, but, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of like, oh, that's a beautiful cello passage on here. It was Um, heart-wrenching. Yeah, but mixed with a lot of electronics, uh, she would augment it with some higher strings sometimes, and at the very end, she had what sounded like a full orchestra going. It was great. But, yeah, I mean, she she was definitely the heart of this movie. Um, This movie had no emotional tone. Mm -hmm. As a a person that doesn't... I'm I'm not sitting here watching this wanting to connect... how do I say that I, I'm not, I'm not suffering from severe detrimental mental illness that I connect with this movie in that manner. Mm -hmm. And they, this movie does not do a good job of just making you feel like this is so hard. Mm -hmm. Like there's moments where you're like, this dude has a horrible life. Yeah. Um, but then it's really tough at first you like, I won't get into spoilers, but you think that things are, they are just really awful, but then you realize like it's, it's even worse. And he, they, there's nothing like nothing is good Mm -hmm. and it gets really frustrating. And this music reminds you that it's like how heart wrenching it is. Yeah. Yeah, the the music definitely adds a lot of the emotion that you feel for this movie. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to say all because I don't want to take away from what Joaquin Phoenix was doing. But yeah. but he was also he was also acting the part that he had to act, which is a lot of hopelessness. A lot of hopelessness and also um with the laughing mm-hmm. be, basically being a tick Mm-hmm. Um, it being almost the replacement for crying, yeah, uh, for feeling shame. Mm-hmm. Um, it sometimes really wasn't clear what was going on, which is the point. Yeah, but as a viewer trying to get on board, it's right. Like, uh, I don't know what this moment quite is, mm-hmm. and and the general reaction when he does that is confusion. Um being upset, not knowing to do what to do, being scared. Mm-hmm. So it's never, it's, and it's always kind of the same reaction. Even those who know him react the same. Yeah. So there's really not, and he doesn't really do it in front of his mother. And when she did want, when he did once, she was just like, that's not funny. 
Right. And so it really was, it never, there was no story with his tick. So yeah. sometimes it was just confusing. And so I was really grateful when her music came in because it reminded me what path we're on. Right. No, I a thousand percent agree with you on that. Um, so talk about the uh, song choices then, because I know you weren't down with that. I didn't like almost any of them. I was fine with Smile. Uh, it just was so obvious. Well, I mean, it feel, I think it felt more obvious because that's what they used in the trailer, which I actually liked the way they did it with the trailer, how it kept getting more like intense and intense. Yeah. Um, I was fine with That's Life, especially with the way that they used it in the movie as like the theme song for the Murray Franklin show. Sure. Um, I, we already touched on I did not like them using Rock and Roll Part 2. Also because like it's just an obvious choice. And also, and, but in that moment, it felt like the complete wrong choice because they found dissonance in the music, mm-hmm. like kind of off ch- choices for the moment. And I, that one felt so like on the nose. I and think it just, I would have rather just had them have her score there. Yeah. Something like really dissonant and kind of intense and almost have it be like, can you make music that's not music here? Yeah. Because that's what he was dancing to. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Her music is informing the audience's perception of his mental state that it's like, that's the moment where it should all come home. Yeah, so when they were playing this rock and roll song, I was just like, what the crap? Yeah. It it felt a little broad, and I think that's also Todd Phillips showing his, uh, showing his, where he came from a little more, you know? Yeah. Um. Let's talk about the stunt work, because there was one particular stunt in here that made you get up and notice. So there's one... The, the, I, I would like to point out that the stunt team on this is not big at all. No, and a lot of it was mostly seemed like fights as opposed to like stunts. There was some, there was some fighting, um, which is a stunt. Um, right, lot, I'm, I'm sorry, I meant more like there's not fire burns in this movie. There's not wire uh, work. No, uh, it's all very real and grounded. I will say they shot the fights very well because it did make it seem very like again what they were going for it's all very vicious and gritty and the fights aren't like you're watching john wick right Uh, which i greatly appreciate because i that gets old too Mm -hmm. um there's a car hit in this movie a car hit and it is surreally good Mm -hmm. it is so good um it's what's called what we call an up and over so an up and over means you go up and you go over the car. Mm-hmm. So this was a semi up and over. So he goes up onto the hood. He goes up onto the hood. It cracks the windshield, which is hard to do. Goes up onto the hood of the car and then rolls back off. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it. gosh, it was shot in a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say this person didn't do it in like step by step, but it, it was, the camera moved a lot, but yeah. you saw the full movement. So... I can't, because I've just seen it once, I can't break it down if the car kept moving, if it slammed on its brakes. I can't, t- I can't break it down fully because mm-hmm. I couldn't see yeah. all of it. Um, but it was brutal. Yeah, that, I definitely noticed it too, especially because you could see the face on it. And of course, that's whenever he has his face painted at the time. Yeah. Uh, so obviously they were able to hide the stunt guy, but because it looks slightly different than Joaquin Phoenix's face, and it's not like super up close, no. but because it looks slightly different and with the makeup, it actually made it look a little scary too. It was very scary. Yeah. Um, I told Jordan, I was like, that's easily on top of what that person got paid to just show up that day. Um, a 
12, like that's easily a $2,000 stun adjustment, if not. Right. And for the uninitiated, what's a stun adjustment? So a stun adjustment is, so it's saying that you went above and beyond. So really sacrificed, it could be sacrificed your body, could be a stellar performance. It could be, you had to do it more than was originally negotiated. So here's some more money. Mm -hmm. It was, Hey, you showed up and just like rocked the day more than I could have asked for So it's an adjustment. So you get it on top of your daily. Um, and it's usually for it's, it's being like showed up Mm -hmm. and like really showed up. Yeah. And so I, what I will say though, so I always say that stunts, we, it should take a story from A to F, mm-hmm. whereas dialogue takes it from A to B, B to C, right. maybe A to C, right? This stunt was so spectacular and huge, it was spectacular, and then it just kept going. Mm-hmm. It kind of almost denied it. So the storytelling of it, it was like this massively, brilliantly executed stunt. Like, y'all, car hits, that means people get hit by cars. Right. That performer got just got hit by a car. The person that driving had to be stellar. The performer had to be on the money because uh, he was running into the gag. And so I, it was so impressive. And then it was just fleeting. And I just thought, I, and, there, and then as Joaquin Phoenix, as, um, as Arthur was running away, it was like, he wasn't even limping. Mm-hmm. And it just detracted from the storytelling of how holy, like, <gasps> like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted it to still be like he was still in his full facilities whenever he was on the show, I can see that. But then they should have had like one of the cops get hit by the car. Yeah, but because it was a stellar stunt. Yeah, and I only remember it because I'm I'm you know sitting over here being like, what New York guy did that? Yeah, holy crap! Uh, it made me think of you remember that movie Southland Tales? Yes. I mean, I'm a defender of that movie, knowing how much of a gigantic mess of a movie it is. Fair enough. Uh, but there's one place in there where Sherry O'Terry runs a guy over on rollerblades. And I remember watching the behind the scenes and the way they did it is they had the stunt guy, you know, dressed like the actor, of course, and they put a pad on underneath his baggy shirt and then they put like a metal nut uh, on the pad. And so that way, whenever he hit it, he just slammed his elbow onto the windshield and that's what made it crack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This way his head hit. Yeah. I don't know how to crack the there, windshield. There was there was a lot of head cracking glass in this movie. Yes, there was. It's been a theme. Yeah. Uh, in my week, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what an incredible stunt! I, you know, um, I don't, I wasn't on this movie. Um, it was uh, coordinated by George Aguilar or G. Aguilar. So I don't know, I don't know all the details of it. Um, but holy moly! Yeah. Holy moly! Shall we take a quick break and then jump back in and get into a little bit of spoiler territory? I and, think that sounds like a great idea. Because I think we've talked about the things we like. Yeah. So let's dive into maybe some of our questions and before we start to circle and yeah uh, and then I think I think a lot of the second half of this episode is going to be some spiraling but let's I think that we can say it's going to be organized spiraling so folks we're going to do our best we're going to try not to, to spiral too badly and then we'll if you stay with us um, we'll let you know if you hadn't seen it already whether you should or not. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, 
where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't wanna go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's, R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code Date Night, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code Date Night for 15% off. And we are back in spoiler territory for Joker. Is this where we just let loose on it? I have a question. I might not have an answer. Jared Leto versus <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. Let's rank Jokers real quick. Oh, okay. All right, so we got Jack Nicholson. Okay. Heath Ledger. Yep. Jared Leto. Yep. Joaquin Phoenix. And should we include Mark Hamill in there? He played Joker? He's in the animated ones. And he's in oh, all the games, he, too. No, that doesn't count. All right. Because Mark Hamill might be my favorite. Mark Hamill's great. Yeah. I've only listened to you play these games. Right. Um, but also, that's also a great animating team. Mm-hmm. And a great writing team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the animated series, you had Paul Dini. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Misty Lee's husband. It is indeed. Uh, uh, the magical Misty Lee, if you uh, follow her on Instagram, she has Unicorn Wednesdays mm-hmm. and she does magic tricks. We, we have a lot of friends who, uh, who work with her. Yeah. So uh, they, they are friends of friends. Uh, I know I know Misty. Oh, you did? Yeah. I've never met Misty. I have met Misty. I um, had the privilege of being in one of her auditions for Penn and Teller. Oh, really? Yeah. I got to do, I got to spend a day with Misty and uh, I got to be in one of her seances. So at the Magic Castle, there's a seance room and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Uh, if you ever get the chance in Los Angeles you, to go to the Magic Castle, you have to be invited. Mm-hmm. It is super fancy. Yeah. And it's super fun. Well, all right. And that's all we can really tell you. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm not going to spoil any secrets. I mean, no. No. You can't even take pictures in there. But either way, so Paul Dini wrote for Mark Hamill's Joker most of the time. It was, those are good. So, yeah. But I don't think it counts. All right. So I'm going to say. Okay. I'm going to do Heath Ledger first. Okay. Just because that's kind of our Joker. Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson. Because uh, Jack Nicholson definitely, like, he's definitely just Jack Nicholson in Oscar-winning makeup. But at the same time, he also plays him kind of like you imagine the comic would be. Yeah, and it really fits in with the, in the era of Danny DeVito. Yeah. His pe- penguin, and his penguin is great. Right. He's great. Um, But yeah, Jack Nicholson Joker, uh, and he also set the template for a lot of it, too. Uh, well, he's and, the one who warned Heath Ledger. Well, that story is blown a little out of proportion. He actually warned Heath Ledger about the sleeping pills he was taking. Still. Yeah. Um, but, but, he's, but he's... He looked out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. He, so I really like that about him. He, it also was... He also helped it dive really deep into black comedy. And yeah. the one thing Jack Nicholson said about him, he's like, what I like about the Joker is that his sense of humor is tasteless. Yeah. And he definitely played into that. Uh, I'd go Joaquin Phoenix next, not because I thought he did a bad job, but just because the movie itself is so joyless that, uh, 
Yeah, and interestingly enough, uh, and one thing I do like, I do think Todd Phillips made a good decision here, is that he wanted to leave it uh, ambiguous whether Arthur Fleck is the actual Joker or if he inspired somebody else to be called Joker. Hmm. So I, I just found that to be a very interesting choice, and I applaud them for that. Oh, that is an uh, interesting choice. Then I'd go Jared Leto because, uh, I mean, A, Suicide Squad is just a garbage movie. Quite possibly the worst movie I saw in 2016. But also because I remember seeing the first trailer for Suicide Squad and being like, this is going to be amazing. Uh, you were like, like when it when the trailer first came out, you were like, we're going to see this. And I was yeah. like, no. And you're like, it's going to be amazing. I was like, I don't know. Well, you were right because it was definitely not amazing. <laughs> I believe but, within the first 20 minutes, I looked at you going, can we go home? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean... If nothing, if nothing else, you know, Margot Robbie was great as Harley Quinn. She's great. I I don't know if I'm going to see Birds of Prey. I don't know if I'm going to see the next Suicide Squad. It's filming right now. I know it is. We have lots of friends who are in it. Yes, I know. Um, but no, also Jared Leto, <clears throat> I do think I, with him, I look at him as more of a Man of Steel situation because I think that he had the potential to be a really good Joker. Mm-hmm. And I thought that uh, he squandered it. And his Joker ended up being more about what he was doing behind the scenes as opposed to what he was doing in the movie. Right. That was Cocaine the Musical. Yeah. Um, I would actually give the same ranking. Really? Yeah, because the Heath Ledger does a really good job of being, and this is also the writing in and of itself, of Mm -hmm. being psychotic. Yeah. And the fact that he had no reason. Yeah. Which is scarier. Mm -hmm. He had no reason. And the fact that there are things that he says in the movie that leads you to believe, oh, that might be where he actually came from. Like, one prevailing theory is that he was a soldier in the Iraq War. Oh. Um, and, like, whenever he's talk, whenever he's talking about, you know, a uh, truck full of soldiers gets blown up and nobody bats an eye. But, you know, little girl crossing the road gets hit by a car, or whatever it is that he says. Yeah. Uh, and then the fact that he knows how to use all of these, like, military-grade weapons and things like that. And he's so divisive. Yeah. Um, another thing that my father pointed out when it first came out he goes that's a guy with mouth sores mouth injuries because mm-hmm. uh, he licks the sides of his mouth yeah constantly and the detail of who this person is and the horror and the fact that there was not necessarily a reason yeah um i dug yeah um jack nicholson was just also it's the movie itself but it was very just entertaining mm-hmm. while being just like being like, this is a bad dude. Well, again, it's a black comedy yeah. and they got black or maybe th- that's not as much black comedy uh, because it doesn't revel in the blackness, but it's definitely dark comedy. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think Joaquin Phoenix did a great job. I just, I and mean, this is something you and I have talked about in our just normal to everyday lives. Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. Yeah. But he has a long history <laughs> Of mental illness mm-hmm. that is that is public and well known. Yeah, he has gone off the deep end mm-hmm. publicly. Yeah, um, I am not that interested as a as an artist myself for it to be on display. Mm-hmm. If it was a Joaquin Phoenix movie that he's that he produced in order for it to be a way to tell his story, 
It was the Joaquin Phoenix story mm-hmm. through the lens of the Joker. Maybe different. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't his choice. And I just don't know. Like, it felt... It's like when you go to a play and you realize they're actually slapping each other. Right. And you go, are those people hurting each other? Mm-hmm. And it makes you go... Get come out of the story. Right. I had a really hard time d- diving in because I was like, "Is hey everybody is um is Joaquin Phoenix okay? Has anybody checked on Joaquin lately? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, did he need a hug or a Xanax? Like, somebody, anybody? No. Anybody check on him? Anybody? Yeah. Um, and I just and I think we're all allowed to go to great depths for our art, and I think we're all allowed to just dive into crazy things um and i don't mean that as a pun i just mean we're allowed to go the distance it just felt on display and that made me uncomfortable Mm -hmm. uh jared leto was cocaine the musical and it was it was a garbage truck yeah there was nothing good (laughs) he was not good there was not an iota of good i he was not even good acting it was bad everything about it was bad and then they learned that he was being a complete a hole behind mm-hmm. the scenes being the character made me just hate it even more. My thing about Jared Leto as the Joker is again, I thought that there was potential that was squandered uh, because he can actually be a good actor. I mean, he was, yeah. he was really good in Dallas Buyers Club. Yeah. Um, but the thing about it is that he took pictures as like the crazy Joker you expect to see in the comics, but his voice was just a normal dude's voice. It was not good. Yeah. It, it's like he saved all of his Jokerisms for the for the photo ops. Now, is Joaquin Phoenix's Joker appearing in any further DC stuff? They are very wishy washy on that. Okay. Joaquin said that he would be down to revisit Joker again, but they've also said from the beginning that this is taking place in a separate thing from like what is currently the Ben Affleck Batman. Okay. Which also makes sense because Ben Affleck's Batman's parents didn't look like his grandparents touche that was really distracting for me yeah uh you know i expected bruce wayne to be a little bit older yeah given 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 the age of thomas wayne and the fact that you know i'm not sitting here like look shaming and an actress or anything like that but the the woman playing martha wayne very obviously did not look like she had bruce at a younger age well, it was also just really confusing. Like, let's say that the character of um, is the Joker, mm-hmm. not someone who inspired right. the Joker. Um, so he's, what, 35 years older than Batman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the height of his chaos <laughs> yeah. and that's is one- 20... 20- <clears throat> Plus years later. Well, that's one thing that they were saying about Jared Leto's Joker is that, well, we kind of wrote him that he's a lot older than he appears, but who gives a crap? Yeah. It doesn't really make any sense. No. Um, I, however, I got, I just, cause I, because you said this, I loved the final image when, um, Joaquin Phoenix or I see, I can't, Arthur mm-hmm. is he realizes his mouth is bleeding and yeah. finishes the smile. Mm-hmm. That was a great moment. Uh, I'm, there were there were good moments in this movie and like him dancing in front of the in front of the crowd of clowns. Like you know, 
and again, a lot of this might be the music too, but you know, it does give a payoff for the character in a really weird way. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, I thought, I thought it was interesting the last sequence uh, where he walks out of the psychiatrist room with the bloody footprints. Yeah. Um, How do you kill her? I don't know. Well, I think it was with the handcuffs. I think so, I think so too. Um, a lot of blood for just strangling her with handcuffs, though. I don't know. Um, but, but it was just on his shoes. Yeah. But, and again, it reminded me of No Country for Old Men. Oh. Yeah. And that's just another thing about this movie. And again, it makes for a great companion piece with Odd Ostra because I just keep getting distracted by all the choices that they're taking from other movies. And again, I'm fine with that. It's kind of like there are moments in even Inception that remind you of 2001. You know? Right. Uh, and you watch it and you're like, oh, 2001. But, you know, again, a movie shouldn't be just completely made up. It shouldn't be the sum of your influences. Agreed. It should be a blend of your influences. Nobody's going to remake the color green. But how are you going to use green? Right. Um, I agree. I, I, now that I know the king of comedy exists, because I kept thinking being like, this movie can exist without the lens of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Apparently it does. Um, yeah. I literally, because I one of my questions I wanted to ask was, what if this wasn't a Joker movie? And it would have been a great movie. If you had never seen the Scorsese movies, for, for kids who are 20 years younger than us, whenever in a few years they're old enough to seek out this movie on their own, uh, and they haven't had their dads and older brothers and uncles influence their movie taste yet, they're going to look at this movie and be blown away by it. And there is something to be said about that. Sure. It's just kind of a bummer because it actually sounds like King of Comedy's better. I mean, it is a better movie, and I've been really wanting to rewatch it again. Uh, it's on Prime, so I should introduce you to it. On Prime. Prime. Primo. Uh, but there's an interesting, you know how I said earlier how it uh, is a parallel and not at the same time of the King of Comedy? Because I told you how the King of Comedy ends. Um, it, and it ends very much like Taxi Driver because he turns himself in and then you hear like all this voiceover about how like he's writing a book and he considers Jerry Lewis's character as a mentor and friend and like his career's gone great. But it's kind of like at the end of Taxi Driver where you don't know if that's just happening in his head or not. Right. Um and then, of course, Jerry Lewis's character, he's fine, he's unharmed, uh, all that stuff. Jerry Lewis initially wanted Martin Scorsese to be like, no, Rupert, who is uh, Robert De Niro, Rupert needs to kill him at the end. He needs to go all the way. And Scorsese was like, no, that's just going to be too dark. And they were still trying to keep it PG. Uh, but this movie, they kill him. So Kill him. So the film buff in me liked that choice and liked seeing why they made that choice. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can totally see that. I, yeah. I just, after, by the time he shot him, um, I was shocked. Yeah. Um, I will say. Uh, also by the amount of blood splatter. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, he has strangled his mother. Right. I'm not even... Or suffocated her. What did I say? Strangled. He suffocated. Uh, killed the people on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, he has killed the clown. 
Um, they made mm-hmm. a little person joke that I felt was uncouth. <sighs> yeah. Um, and, and, and the people in our theater, man. So this was definitely one of those moments where you're like your theater going experience really lets you know, <laughs> like it really influences how you feel. And a lot of our theater was laughing. Yeah. There's a scene and the little person in this movie is like the only wholly sympathetic person in this movie. Because even Arthur says to him, because he they're there whenever he kills his former co-worker who was pretty awful to him. And that also, it took me back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. that head bashing. Yeah. And it made, and again, it's colored by how I feel, but it made me mad. Yeah. Um, but uh, he tells, it's Gary, who's the little person. He says, I'm not going to hurt you, Gary. You were always kind to me. Thank you. And he lets him go. But... Whenever they get there, he puts the chain on the door, and then he tells Gary that he can go. He's like, no, don't look at the body. You can just go. It's okay. And then he goes, and then he can't reach the chain, and then he jumps up at it, and... Like, why would he jump? He knows he can't reach it. Yeah, but the thing is, is that I actually can't tell, because of our theater-going experience in this moment, because the people in our theater were just laughing their asses off, and it made me really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, But because of that, I couldn't tell if that was meant to be a joke or not. I just don't understand for someone who has probably been most likely that small mm-hmm. their whole life. Mm-hmm. They know they can't reach the chain. Yeah. And anybody who's so scared, I mean, you would think to reach and it would be like, if I move, like it just didn't seem like a person who would be scared. And it just felt like a completely unsympathetic thing to do. And it felt like it was a direction. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like an actor choice. Yeah. Because it, that actor was great. Mm-hmm. No, that, that moment did feel mean spirited to me. And that's actually something I want to talk about right now. Okay. Um, so Mark Marin has a small bit in this movie, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and we're talking about Todd Phillips, talking about how woke culture has killed comedy. Ugh. Mark Marin actually had a great thing to say on that. Uh, okay. and, and he basically said, yeah, comedy has changed a little bit, but that doesn't mean you can't be funny. What it means now is you can be edgy if you want. You're just not allowed to punch down for the sake of punching down. And if you want to do that, that's fine. You're going to find people who are going to laugh at that. And those are your people. Enjoy it. But... Otherwise, you have to evolve with the times. And I'm paraphrasing all of this, but essentially what he said is you can't just punch down. And to me, especially knowing that Todd Phillips hasn't really been funny in a while. No. uh, To me, now that we're talking about it, and again, I couldn't tell if that was meant to be played as a joke when we were watching it, just because of our very distracting and disturbing theater-going experience. It reminded me of when we saw The Hateful Eight, and people were laughing whenever Samuel L. Jackson was telling that one story. I'm like, this is a horror movie. Um, Horror movie. And after that, after that moment today, mm -hmm. people started laughing. I know. And it made it, and I was like, None of this, it's horrifying, the brute, yeah. the brutality in this movie. And it wasn't like we're laughing because we're uncomfortable, we're laughing. Yeah. And I, it was making me cringe. And that moment in The Hateful Eight, I'll never forget that, being in that theater and just being like, why are you laughing? Yeah. But talking about it now, I do think that that was a Todd Phillips punching down moment. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe you're just not that funny. Maybe you need to be t- doing movies like this. I would be interested to see if he can pull out an original movie like this. 
Me too. I'll let you know what I find. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm exhausted by him right now. I'm, I'm also, I am craving a new release that's new. So we were looking at the posters on the way out and mm-hmm. I was like, cause I feel like I've just been, and you know, you've been agreeing to the movies we've been going to see, but I feel like I've just been dragging you to movies lately. And I haven't loved that feeling. So I'm like, well, what's coming out that's new? The only poster that was coming out of the theater that I saw that was like, oh, that's not based on any pre-existing material is Knives Out. I don't know anything about that. We saw the trailer for that together. I Um, believe you. I just don't. It's Ryan Johnson. It has Daniel Craig. It has uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like the Agatha Christie mystery thing. Yes, it does. It looks like there were none. Yeah. But like, it's not based on any existing material. He was like, I wanted to take something like an Agatha Christie, but I wanted to do a dark comedy to it. Yes. And I'm on board with Ryan Johnson. So I, so I actually want to see that. Um, but like the only other one that I saw that looked besides Zombieland and you know but that's a sequel. Yeah, and we're not going to do an episode on Zombieland probably. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to because there's so much going on. I'm not going to be able to get a guest together for it, and I know that it would probably be weird for you to comment on it. I don't know. Well, you know, what's funny is being on the stunt team for it. I don't know the full story. Yeah, I don't get the script. But either way, so Zombieland and then Doctor Sleep, which I do really want to see Doctor Sleep. Oh, yeah. Um, because the book was great. I like Stephen King. Uh, Mike Flanagan's a great filmmaker. Um, but other than that, it's like, what other original movies are coming out this year? And I just couldn't think of anything. I'm interested. Do we know if there's any fun holiday movie coming out? You know, you asked me that the other day. And <laughs> I looked it up and I couldn't find it. Is anything. there another Holmes and Watson I hope not. <laughs> I was telling that to your parents because when when I was, I was staying with her parents uh, before I went to Kentucky and we were just flipping through the channels because that's what me and her parents do. We just watch movies that like sometimes it's like, oh, have you seen this? Oh, no, it's pretty good. Let's watch it. Or sometimes it's like, I don't know what this is. We're going to watch it. My mom and dad will watch the weirdest stuff. Yeah. And they'll, they'll, and they'll be all in. But, uh, but yeah, they were like... They passed Holmes and Watson. I was like, I don't know if y'all have seen this or not, but don't. <laughs> we simultaneously saw one of our favorite movies of 2018 and one of our least favorite movies of 2018 on the same day. Uh, let's see. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. I'm, I am definitely going to watch that one on demand. Although um, uh, Leonard and Jesse Moulton just, um, I think, saw that. Yeah. So yeah, because I think I think they're pretty good friends with Kevin Smith. That makes sense. But um, so uh, definitely look uh, for Malton on Movies. Um, mm-hmm. That's a, a great podcast. Yeah, y- y- y'all remember our Malton Fest episode. It's one of the most special. It was so special. I, know, to go. I really hope they do it again. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, there's The Lighthouse, which is done by the guy who did The Witch. It has Willem Dafoe and Robert oh, Pattinson. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's an, Does it's, Robert Pattinson sparkle? <laughs> no, because it's all black and white. Oh, yeah. uh, I've heard good things about Jojo Rabbit. That's a Taika Waititi's new movie. Oh, um, okay. Where it's about a boy who imagines Hitler is his imaginary friend. I think. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested and I'm skeptical, but I hear that it's actually like not as awful as you might think it is. Oh, okay. 
Uh, let's see. I'm looking to see what else is here. You know what I, we missed and I really wanted to see was Ready or Not. I wanted to see that so bad too and I heard it was great. Yeah, we're, we're going to watch it. Uh, I don't want to see Terminator Dark Fate. I know. Uh, I hear Motherless Brooklyn's going to be pretty good. I know nothing about that. Uh, it's it's an Edward Norton movie. He directed it. I think he wrote it and he also uh, stars in it. Okay. Uh, so it's another Brooklyn drama movie. Uh, there's Doctor Sleep. Uh, there's one called Last Christmas. I don't know what it is. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. You're welcome. But the very next day. You're welcome, world. <laughs> uh, there's Charlie's Angels, which I don't know if I want to see. Y'all, this is like the third reboot in our life. Yeah. Um, there's Ford v. Ferrari, which looked interesting. It looks great, but the title is terrible. I know. I wonder what the movie's about. There's Frozen 2. Oh, there's A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, the where Tom Hanks oh, is Mr. Rogers. Oh, man alive. Yeah. Which, if you haven't seen the documentary, y'all. Yeah, Won't You Be My Neighbor. So good. It's not as insightful as you'd want it to be, but you can never pass up an opportunity to just watch a bunch of Mr. Rogers I mean, Mr. it's Mr. Rogers telling you, Telling you that you're awesome. Yeah. What do you what What do you got to lose? Uh, let's see. There's Knives Out, which I do want to see. I do want to see that. Um, oh, there's a movie of a million little pieces. You know the book where the guy pretended it was not a biography, and then uh, Oprah caught him. Yeah. Uh, they're making a movie about it. Weird. Okay. There's Richard Jewell. Which we saw the trailer for today. That looks like it might be interesting. Clint Eastwood in his later days is really hit or miss. Yes. So I don't know what to think about it. But it's not about an old dude doing a drug deal, so let's go for it. (laughs) One of my favorite Saturday Night Live things ever is just Pete Davidson talking about how crazy the mule was. (laughs) And like all these women want to sleep with Clint Eastwood. And one time he walks out of a hotel with two women. 90-year-old Clint Eastwood just had a three-way with two young women. (laughs) Uh, let's see here. There's Black Christmas, which I don't really have any interest in seeing. Uh, there's Star Wars, which we, of course, will see. Comes Christmas up- Day, which I, TBD will do an actual episode on Christmas Day. Yeah, we, so might we, don't not, th- we might not do one on Christmas Day, but we'll do an episode on Star Wars. There's yes. also Cats. We may just have to do one on Cats. Um. Uh, ooh, 1917 comes out Christmas Day. That's uh, Sam Mendes. Uh, the World War One movie that oh, yeah. apparently is all shot in one take. Um, I don't know about that. TBD. They're apparently doing another Grudge in January. Ha. Yeah. Now we're in. Now we're in January, so I don't really know what all. Is. Okay. Well, we'll see. But but yeah. So essentially, there are very few original movies coming out this year, and ah. that makes me sad. But I think we've officially. Going through all that, I think we're just done talking about the Joker. Yeah, um, should so if if you have followed us all the way to here and you haven't already seen the movie, or if you're wondering, should I invite my mom? Should people go see this movie, Jordan? I want to hear y- your take on it before I answer, because I usually answer this one first. Oh, okay. Um, listen, if you if you listen to this podcast and you tend to side with me on things. Right, more or less. Yeah, I'm. I tend to be a lot more forgiving than Jessica. Is. Right. So, but if you're kind of like, okay, whatever, another superhero thing, right? And I didn't work on it, so blah, 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 right. <laughs> so, okay, so we've got another superhero thing. I'm a little over it right now. I'm over superheroed. Okay. If you're like that, if you're like, 
I'm not sure how I feel about seeing someone who struggles with mental illness do mental illness the musical. Um, if you are a little tired of the white dude narrative who, you know, has, if you, I've also, I think I, if you've listened to this podcast in the past, you know, I try not to like, I don't tend to see trailers. I don't tend to listen to too many things. I heard way too much about Todd Phillips. Yeah. (laughs) So he's pissed me off. Mm -hmm. If you fall in line with any of this, don't go see this movie. I was horrified. I am, I'm horrified by this movie and I'm just upset. And to also know that I was deeply horrified. I'm, I got upset. I wasn't sure if I could finish it and that it was a false narrative. Like it's not real and it's not being like, and this is a real story. The, our world sucks. You can change it. It was like, hi, you've spent the past two plus hours watching things be awful. Yeah. And it was just a choice. It bummed me out. However, what I will say, and I will say is Jordan's probably going to give you a really great reason to go see this movie. And I still think there is room for this narrative and this dialogue. I think it has a lot of social commentary. Um, You know, we do as a society here in America, at at least if you're poor, you're poor. And if you're sick, you're sick. Um, Oh, you know what? We never talked about the parallel between him and his mom. And why did it have to be the same? Do you want to touch on that? Because I don't I don't have a whole lot to say about that right now. I mean, I just thought because their story was just almost the exact same, her delusion of the relationship with Thomas Wayne was the exact same delusion he had with the girl down the hall. Yeah, I I did think it was weird that they drew that parallel and then made such a big deal about him being adopted. So it's not like that even ran in the family. That and the fact that she they let her adopt him and then a he was abused and then they let her have him back Yeah, when he was already a ward of the state. And like you said, it wasn't a biological issue, but he did suffer a severe head trauma. Mm-hmm. So that's where yeah. the laughing came from. But it was, it just made no sense. It also, I mean, a lot of character choices didn't make sense. I don't understand why they made Thomas Wayne such a dick. A great A dick. Yeah. Because he like, could have still been a good guy and not made a difference. Yeah. Yeah. It could it could have been the same narrative and it could have been, you know, honestly, I think it's because we have our current president and they were afraid to make a rich guy sympathetic. I don't know. I'd take a sympathetic rich guy right now. I'm over the villains. Like everybody's a Bond villain right now. No, I'm over it. And everyone you know is a sex monster. <laughs> What I will say, though, with that, um, I also didn't like, they kind of made Alfred a dick. Uh, a grade A one. Like, they almost didn't do it, and then they still went there anyway. Because, like, they almost just made it where he was concerned about Bruce, and then they were, and then they were like, oh, they almost made him sympathetic by him trying to be like, no, he's not your father. And then he just went into... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also because a normal person would have been like, listen, man, get off the property and walked away. Yeah. Um, but I will say that this movie did have a part for one of our favorite recent actors though, Brian Tyree Henry. He is great. Yeah. And I will, I, he is a welcome addition anytime. Uh, and then, uh, is it, man, I'm just trying to do my job. Yeah. Is it Patricia Clarkson? I can never get the names right. Who played his mother? 
I don't think it's Patricia Clarkson. That's fr- uh, Francis no, Conroy. Yeah, Francis Conroy, who's always just amazing. Yes. Yeah. She's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, but her reasoning, she, I felt like, you know that movie that we did and I was acting in a different movie that got edited? Yeah. So was she. I think so too. I don't think she was acting in the same movie that she was put in. I don't think so either. Um, it was also distracting how many moments paralleled you were never really here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were never really Joker. Yeah, exhausting. Um, so anyway, should people go see this movie? You know, this is going to be another soft recommendation for me. I went to go see this movie, again, because the movie buff in me was curious. Mm-hmm. I went to go see it knowing that I want to have my curiosity satisfied and I'm probably never going to watch it again. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't expect them to go as far into just ripping things off. This wasn't a no homage. This was kind of a ripoff. Mm-hmm. Um, like we said earlier, on a technical level, this movie was wonderful. It was outstanding. The cinematography, the editing, the score. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix was great. Todd Phillips had his moments. Again, I would be. I'm open to seeing what he does next. Um, but. From just a and there were moments in the script that I liked too, uh, but just from a general entertainment purpose, this is not an entertainment movie. Um, this is definitely a 1970s character study movie, and but again, it's like you could watch this or you could just watch Taxi Driver. I'd be interested in the HBO limited series of classic movies put through the lens of a superhero. Well, you know, but that's like HBO and Showtime used to do stuff like that. Okay, so that's like like what thirty to minutes to an hour of my life. Mm-hmm. They used to do things. Uh, it was think of Showtime. They had an entire series where they took titles from uh, old fifties B movie schlock horror movies and sci fi movies, and gave them to directors and been like, "Go nuts!" So like they have one that's Teenage Cavemen that's not a remake of the movie Teenage Cavemen. That's awesome. Things like that. So yeah, I would love to see things like that. Um, I like think a that, study. Yeah, I think that if this were an hour long, it yeah. would have been a lot easier to take. Well, like a short subject. Like a short subject of this to be like, I was curious if you could take these movies and put it through this character. This movie seems to me like it would have been one of the best master's theses of at a film school that you would have ever seen if it were an hour long. Yeah, it, I, I would have been fascinated at the study of it. Yeah. Which, um, I, I, I'm a lover of short of short work. I write a lot of short work. I've We've produced a lot of short work. I'm a big fan of it, right? It's challenging to tell a story in a short amount of time. And I would have been far more interested because I, like... I just keep having more and more questions and then I'm like, ugh, this wasn't even a documentary about how the world is awful and how we can be better. Yeah. This was just a narrative about a place that doesn't even exist. But to me, so having said all of that, I'd give it a soft recommendation if you want to go see it for the same reasons that I did. If you want to go see it because it's like, oh, it's the next superhero movie, you gotta see how it's gonna tie in. It's not gonna tie in. Don't waste your time for that reason because you go to see superhero movies for entertainment purposes only. Now, uh, Avengers Endgame had some pretty high emotional stakes in it. Sure did. And again, that is a better movie than it had any right to be. Fair enough. Um, but for the most part, you go because it's escapism. And there are definitely places for that. I'm, I, Martin Scorsese has been doubling down on a lot of, like, he flat out said the other day that theater owners need to stand their ground against superhero movies uh, and play actual cinema again. 
And I hate seeing all of my favorite directors go into the angry old man yells at cloud territory. <laughs> um, but I mean, he basically says superhero movies aren't cinema. They are akin to going to theme parks and that's okay. So to me, you go see that you go see superhero movies for entertainment purposes. This is not an entertaining movie. Uh, it is hard to watch. Uh, to go back to the composer, it's very similar to like Chernobyl, which Chernobyl is not an easy watch, but you know what? I want to go back and I want to rewatch Chernobyl and I just don't really want to rewatch this movie. So I'll give you a soft recommendation. You know, if you, if you are a cinema buff and you like seeing how people do influences from their favorite movies, then you'll find a lot of stuff to watch. And if you, it's kind of like watching a Joe Dante movie where you're just like, Oh, which movie is he going to reference now? Uh, it's like Gremlins, you know, oh, look, he did an Indiana Jones painting right there. Do it for that, because you can play spot the reference with this movie and have fun. But that's pretty much the only way you're going to have fun in this movie. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Are we done? We're done. All right. That was a longer episode than I expected. Well, we talked about everything but the Joker. We did. I think because we just had to be like, you know, it's the family guy thing. Jeez, somebody throw a freaking pie or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that being said, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Please rate and review. It helps us um, get to more audiences and lets us know what you like yeah. and what you don't like. And if y'all were to come back and like, we, like holy crap, we just got a hundred emails saying we want you to do nothing but superhero movies. You know what? We're going to do a lot more superhero movies. All right. But I would appreciate it if y'all like doing a variety of movies. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be all superhero movies. All I'm saying is that we listen. We do listen. Yeah. So with that being said, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. We'll see you next time.